Hello and welcome to the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast sponsored by Manscaped and Ginger Pickle. Um, Andy Warren and Stuart Watson here on a Friday morning um, and there's some news to talk about Stuart, we're going to jump straight in, no nonsense. Um, Ipswich have made another signing, the fourth one of the transfer window is over the line. Massimo Luongo, George Hurst, Nathan Broadhead and now Harry Clark um, in another eye-catching piece of, of League One business. Yes, Mark Ashton said on our podcast back in November that he didn't want to be left with any regrets at the end of this window, that he didn't want to leave anything on the table, any stone unturned. Well, he's certainly delivered on that promise, hasn't he? Another player that's come from a Premier League club, another player who has spent the first half of this season at a championship club and um, plenty more narrative surrounding him as well, which adds to the excitement. Yeah, he. Yeah, we'll talk about him as a player in a moment. Let's talk. Let's talk about about the um, that narrative to start with. He, he he's he's born and bred in Ipswich, and he's he's coming back home. We know he came through the Ipswich Academy, um, and we know that he's the the young man that put the finishing touches to that beautiful viral internet sensation goal in 2014, which has been viewed millions of times on online. He was he was the one that put the final touch in there. But his town career after that didn't last an awful lot longer, and he was off to um, off to Arsenal to bigger and better things. Um, now he's back, and he he looks absolutely delighted to be back. Yeah, a lot of boxes ticked with this transfer, and the first box ticked is his narrative, his romance, his storyline. We're in the business of telling stories. Ipswich-born player returns to his boyhood club. Yes, please. Thank you very much. We'll lap that up. Um, I love the Macaulay Bond story. I made no secret of that. Um, this is what we love as football fans, isn't it? Players representing their hometown club and maybe going away and taking the long, the long journey, the long road back to where it's begun. Um, he's only 21, of course, but it feels like you know a lot has happened for him from the ages of 14 to 21, which we'll recap in a minute. But um yeah, it's hard not to be excited and have a smile on your face knowing that this is a lad who was born in Ipswich, who has played for the club as a youngster and uh, has ended up ultimately back here. Yeah, it's, he's not the only one either at the moment. Obviously, you mentioned Macaulay Bond there, but um, Luke Wolfenden is still here. He's a, the Chantry boy who uh, who's um, who's doing doing all right for himself. Richard Keogh, we've had that there as well. The, the former ball boy coming back and... Um, and playing for his club in the twilight years of his of his career, which he never thought would happen, and then even Cameron Humphreys, who, who, who's obviously been at Ipswich since he was a, a primary school child, and is now a bona fide first team player with a with a new long term contract. So, um, for all the kind of the squad that was thrown together by by Paul Cook in the summer of what even summer was that twenty twenty one was that yeah twenty the summer of twenty twenty one. It's 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 turned into a squad that's kind of just got so many players to warm to in it, hasn't it? And Clark is is going to is going to be an instant an instant hit. He's got a little bit of a Suffolk accent as well, hasn't he? Just that oh, he's got a nice little one. I like it. Yeah, I think there was a fear that maybe with all the money that Ipswich could throw at this now and a very big pool of players they can recruit from that maybe some of the history and traditions of, of the club and those local routes might get eroded a little bit. And ultimately, if if the team is successful on the pitch, no one really cares about 
how many homegrown players you have and everything like that. But it certainly adds to this connection between fans and players and, and just the, the the real feel-good factor and warmth that people are feeling towards this squad, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, you can you can tell he's um, he's pleased to be back. He talked about being home. Um, we'll see how he does from here, won't we? Yeah, it, his journey back to here has obviously gone Arsenal. Oh, then 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 the loan route for him after a few um a few trophy games with Arsenal under twenty ones and worked his way up to the Premier League two two team earned a second pro contract as well in there, but then the route from there has been a season at Oldham, half a season at Ross County, another half a season with Hibs, and then another half season after that with with Stoke, and he's packed an awful lot in for to a sort of a young career really, isn't he? For uh, for a guy that like you say is only still twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he comes with quite a lot of life experience and 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 a decent amount of um of footballing experience too. So it's a nice a nice all round package. Again, yeah. I'll say it again, packaged with a nice little Suffolk accent on top. Yeah, <laughs> you like that, don't you? Um, next box ticked his character for me. I think that jumps off the page in spades when you see him interviewed. When you look at some of the references from former managers, Harry Kewell, who was his manager at Oldham talks about what a fantastic attitude he had first into training, last out, always wanting to self-develop and improve, which is a, a big part of this kind of school-like culture under Kieran McKenna of everyone, no matter how old you are, wanting to, to learn and improve and add strings to your bow. Um, he talks really well, doesn't he? I think you, you did a really good profile piece online this morning where he talks about multiple junctures in his short career so far, wanting to prove people wrong, wanting to prove people I'm quicker uh, than they think, wanting to prove people that he was ready for a, a, a League One relegation scrap in his first loan and people go, well, 18 years old, is he going to be ready for, for that? Um, by all accounts, he was. So... Yeah, a hunger, a real hunger about him at twenty-one years of age. Yeah. You, can, you can feel that, can't you? Yeah, I, I really like that. It's not, it's not, it's not even just the, um, it's not even just that desire to prove people wrong. That I love that. I, I like people who have who can find a, a little chip in their own shoulder and use it to to fuel them. I like that. I also like um, when he he was he was meant to be at Hibs for eighteen months. So he signed a he signed in I think it was January of last year. Signed to signed to Hibs for an 18-month loan, only did six months of it because Arsenal then went and placed him at, at Stoke instead. But um, ahead of the, what was supposed to be the first full season at Hibs, he was kind of taking aim at, at James Tavernier, the Rangers captain, saying, oh, well, I want to be the best right back in the league. Um, he's fueled. He's well fueled this guy. Um, and it, and it, won't, it won't have been an easy decision to come back here. So, and I'm sure he's done, taken an awful long time to think about it, but he'll have done it for all the right mm. reasons. And I, I really like that. As much as he, I think he's excited by being back at Ipswich, you can definitely tell there's a tinge of disappointment that his Arsenal journey's come to an end. He had to stop himself from talking about Arsenal in his club interview because he said he was going to get too emotional about it. And he said it's not quite sunk in yet. There is no doubt in my mind that he thought he was on the road to being an Arsenal first team player and that, you know, every year he was going to keep improving, being on that journey. I think he'd been involved in in training with Mikola Teta's first team in, in various pre-seasons at different stages. So when you think you're on that pathway and it stops, 
that probably takes a little bit to get your head around. But the fact that it is Ipswich and there is a major project, a major ambition here, and he might be able to to scratch those uh, ambition itches here, I think will we'll very quickly kind of um, push down mm. any disappointments that the Arsenal journey's come to an end. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure one one step out of the Portman Road tunnel in a, in a, a stadium, a crowd like the one that was in for the Plymouth game will um will quickly be that safety net to catch you if you are having any kind of feeling about of regret about the Arsenal thing. He'll 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 know, and there he'll have had people around him that would have told him that this was a good move for him, um, a really good time to join to join the club that can take him upwards again. Because he's not obviously he's left Arsenal, um, which will be big for him. He's also dropped down from the Championship into League One, where he so he's kind of taken this double drop. But um, there's enough at Ipswich to pick him up, I think, and uh, and get him moving forward again. Because he he will be. It's not going to take an awful lot on the pitch for him to be absolutely loved, is it? He's mm. he's on to a winner. He's on to a winner here, and he could be um, he could be the next cult hero. He's got vibes of. Um, Mark McGuinness in terms of sort of a, a young lad but has, has got a real bit of leadership about him you know that sort of vibe to me in just terms of his character um, also and I've seen people mention this almost like a young Luke Chambers maybe it's the sort of shaven headed look that was kind of you remember Luke Chambers in his Nottingham Forest days had that sort of shaven head and was people could tell even when he was very young that he was a kind of a captain in waiting further down the line he's got He's quite. He's serious. He's a leader. He's ambitious. But there's a little bit of a glint of um, fun in his eyes as well. I think he'll be one that will add to sort of the banter in the dressing room from from what we've seen of him as well. So, um, yeah, as I say, character, attitude, leadership. Um, they're, they're big boxes ticked, aren't they? Mm, I think him and Luke Wolfenden might have a, a little bit of fun together. Luke's obviously that little bit older. They'll, they'll be aware of each other. Of course, they will. Um, I think they might quite they might quite enjoy each other's company. Do you reckon? Yes, yeah, I hadn't considered that, but um, yeah, the two Suffolk boys uh, might might hit it off. We'll see. We'll see. Right, Harry Clark is a player. That's actually that's the that's the main reason he's here um, because he because of the player that he is. He left as a, a as a midfielder. He played higher up the pitch, but he left Ipswich as a midfielder for that compensation fee to Arsenal in 2015 um he comes back very much a defender and he comes back very much a defender who started as a central defender but now very definitely has some right-sided um tendencies to his game so mm. that's where we see him fitting isn't it certainly where i see him fitting i think so yeah kieran mckenna we know kieran mckenna likes versatility and adaptability in his players we know he likes athleticism and Clark certainly seems to be that. Um, as you say, he's someone that he talked in his, his interview about having started out as a striker in the Ipswich Youth Academy. I think we were talking about him being a midfielder around the time he scored that, that viral goal that you mentioned. He goes to Arsenal. He says, I played virtually every position there for the first year. And then eventually they kind of decided that they were going to focus on him being a centre-half. Um I think there's suggestion that he might have even played a bit of left back when he was up in Scotland, potentially at Ross County and at Stoke this year. He's kind of landed on right back and a right wing back role. So um, 
We're not sure exactly where Kieran McKenna will, will see him fitting in this system, but with everything that we've just suggested and where he's been playing for Stoke recently, does that make him quite well suited for that sort of hybrid right-sided centre-half slash right-back role that Janoi Donassian's been, been playing? 100%. I, 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 I feel sure that that's what he's here for. Um, I think the versatility will be really useful. Of course, he can play at centre-back as well, just like Janoi can. But I, I, I think they needed somebody else in that in that position it's quite a bespoke position you need to be you need to be something very specific to kind of to play that and um i think clark is clark is that so that's where that's where i see that's where i see him fitting definitely hmm. yeah uh, we continuing on the box ticked theme his actual physical attributes i think are, are, are a major thing here he looks like someone who's a good size he looks like a brute. He, he talks a lot about relishing the physical side of the game. Someone who can go and win some headers. He uh, loves loves to defend as well as getting forward. And um, that's probably something that Ipswich have, have lacked a little bit. You look at some of the goals they've conceded. There's been a theme about high balls to the back post. Maybe just someone who's ready to throw their body on the line in these final minutes where leads have been mm-hmm. let slip at times. Um I think he's someone that's going to really sort of be able to hit the physical side of League One, hit the ground running in in that respect. Hopefully, yeah. And all the all the word coming from town is that he's ready to hit the ground running in every respect. Um, Kieran McKenna, in the very brief kind of few lines of quotes as part of the announcement, talking about wanting him involved immediately. Um, he, he's good to go. Um, so. We're sitting here ahead of the Oxford game and you've got to wonder what his involvement will be in that. I'm sure he'll be with the squad, absolutely be with the squad. Um, it's whether he makes the bench and whether he, he even makes it straight into the starting eleven. You, you never know. There's different situations here. Obviously, Hurst and Broadhead didn't start um, straight away in the Plymouth game. Broadhead, because he'd been to and fro from Wales, getting moved, a bit of tightness in his muscles, some, some injury history there, so they... They don't take any chances with him. George Hurst just hadn't played a great deal of football, certainly from the start for Blackburn. So maybe he wasn't quite ready in terms of match sharpness. Very different with Harry Clark. He's been starting most weeks for Stoke in uh, recent weeks. He's coming back to an area that he knows. Uh, I think his family are still in the area as well. So he's not got any of that sort of uh, settling in stuff off the pitch as, as much as the other guys. Um, so... What do you reckon, so what, Andy? So what, what are you saying, Stu? You're, you're, you're trying not to say what I think you're thinking. I I don't know if it will be this 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 game at Oxford, but if it's not, certainly I could see the Morecambe game on Tuesday night. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, that's how I'd see it as well. I think um, I, I think as much as anything, he won't he won't have that role is quite a specific role um, in the team, and it requires a good amount of tactical analysis and sort of positional analysis to go in. I think they'd at least want him to train in it properly a couple of times. So yeah, I, I would say the more I'd say make the bench because you can cover the center half and right side fullback position as a bench player and then start, start Tuesday night. A, a few people have been um, having, having a bit of a laugh about the, the comment that Kieran McKenna made about his new bed, uh, about signings being in a different bed. Um, in relation to Nathan Broadhead, which I look, I can see the serious side of that, but it 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 did it did cause a few smiles. But 
if he's going back to stay maybe with his mum and dad, it's a, it's a bed that he would be used to. Back in his childhood bedroom. Back in his childhood bedroom with posters of Luke Chambers on his wall. Or, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but he, he, it was that kind of era, wasn't it? He might have, Luke Chambers would have been someone he'd have, although he'd been looking up to midfielders, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have cared about centre backs at that point. Who would have it? Teddy Bishop? Kevin Brew. Yeah. Luke Hyam. Or some Tabby. Oh, yeah. love me, love me. Johnny <laughs> All the big ones. Maybe Johnny Williams. We'll <laughs> yeah. find out when we get to speak yeah. to him. All the big, all the big dogs. Yeah, I, I would, I would say Tuesday night. Absolute. Um, actually, I'm going to check. I'm going to check something very quickly. I was about to say at absolute worst, he would start the um, the FA Cup game with Burnley. But I'm going to check live on the podcast because I haven't checked this that yet whether he's cup tied or not. You ready for this? Yeah. Let's find Drum out. Drum roll, please. Do you think he's cup tied? Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say yes. He is cup tied. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he played in Stoke's 3 0 win at Hartlepool, so he won't be playing against Burnley next weekend. Well, that probably maximises his chances or increases his chances of playing him in one of, if not both, of these next two, doesn't it? Um, elephant in the room time. What does that mean for? For other players in the squad, we're talking about him playing in Genoi Danassian's position here, aren't we? What does it mean for Genoi? I think it means it's got the... And this is why I don't think he'll start in this first game um, straight away. Because I think it I think it gives Genoi the competition that he needs. Because I, I don't think they had another player that could effectively play that position like Genoi. The obvious thing to think is that Clark is the long-term starter here, and I think that's probably fair. And I, th- I know I would imagine that when that is, uh, I don't know um, that will happen. But I think there's a there'll be a real sense of loyalty to to Genoi because he's given McKenna an, an awful lot over the last year, um, and I think he will settle into being a very very trusted and valued member of the squad who can cover every defensive position is a proven potential starter in the right-sided role um can play right back left back center back um at very worst for Genoa I'd see him as a really quite useful and versatile bench defender and we might end up looking at him at, in the same way as we look at, at Greg Lee potentially as possibly possibly yeah he's out of contract He's out of contract in the summer, but there's no doubting that he's uh, more than earned the trust and respect of everybody oh, with what he's done over the last year. And and I'm certain that the Ipswich will probably take that option Hope so. and, and have him as a really valued member of the squad, both on and off the pitch. Um, what I would but, say, Stu, lots of people have written off Janoi Danassian before. So one thing I'm not going to do is write him off because... Every manager that's been here at Ipswich has it's looked like he was going to leave at mm. some point, and he hasn't. He's proved himself to be useful. His his attitude is bang on. Um, all the players love him, um, and he's proven himself with that one key attribute of being a brilliant one on one defender um, to be extremely useful. So I think the, the role he plays is very dynamic. A lot is asked of him, and I think we got almost used to him bombing on and supporting Wes Burns and making underlaps and overlaps and creating the space for Wes Burns. And it was probably natural that at some point he was going to hit a bit of a wall. And and there has been times of late where maybe he hasn't 
he's just looked a, li a little bit jaded, which is understandable because um, he's played, I think, virtu started virtually every game since McKenna's arrived. So um, just just a little bit of competition and um, it won't go amiss for him. We're not suddenly writing him off. We're not saying he's not, not going to start again. I'm not saying he's definitely out the door in, in the summer, but um, I think you said it when when we talked about is there any more positions. Um, you said maybe that that sort of right back area was one that they just needed an extra body. That the person I do worry more about here is is Kane Vincent Young, who is also out of contract in the summer. Um, he now gets pushed even further to the fringes. Yes, he's versatile. I mean, he ended up playing replacing Wes Burns late on against Plymouth last weekend, but. Um, increasingly difficult to kind of see where where he fits into all of this isn't it yeah it's given it, it's incredibly hard to make Ipswich Town's bench right now incredibly hard um and versatility is a big a big plus a big tick for you if you're able to offer that and Kane did and does uh, I think that's why he's been making benches but it, what he doesn't offer is the same kind of robust defensive um option that that Chinoy and Greg Lee do and Clark as well um and you're not going to pick him as an attacking player over any of as an attacking player over any of the attacking options are you so yeah it's um it's difficult to see a route into the team for him for, for him from here um mm. as much as I think everybody would still pull for him and, and want him to to do that it's um it, it, it if you're being honest about it it's hard to see I make it they're up to 25 fit senior first team players now, which we talked about the difficulty in picking the bench for the Plymouth game. And we were miles out on that, by the way. I think most of the uh, the calls we made in various bench positions <laughs> went tipped the other way. But 13 players into six, 13 outfield players into six bench options. Um there's some serious man management that is going to be a test of, of Kieran McKenna's man management now. And, and I would imagine that we're talking more about one or two exits before the window shuts rather, rather than additions, aren't we? I'm never going to say never with additions. I, I've honestly, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they did make another one. I couldn't tell you where that should be. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the big thing now is exits. I think part, part of man management also is to, to facilitate those exits i think that's that's a big part of man management as well to to know when the right thing for people is to move to move somewhere else and place somebody somewhere else and there are a few obvious ones that are, are, are there to discuss like is kane vincent young somebody that that might move on but might maybe um i i really hope they sort out a way for uh, for a handmaid to get back to burton because that makes all the sense in the world. Um, yeah, we're not we're not writing Gasana Hadmi's no. future off at Ipswich Town. It's not even got off the ground yet. That that foot fracture obviously has meant for a bit of a false start for him. But there's no minutes really between now and the end of the season for him. Is there with with Hurst and and Broadhead in in the building? So it makes sense for him to to just get himself back up to speed. And and the only club he can go to is Burton. I know the Burton manager talked about. They've had a discussion, but financially it doesn't look viable. I, I would hope Ipswich, uh, it's not like Ipswich are counting the pennies. They can come to a sensible uh, solution where he can go back and just play some play some football and then and then 
hopefully come back and, and, and push again in the in the summer. He's still young and they've signed him for a reason. Another player that I would say is in a bit of a danger zone at the moment is Kyle Edwards. He's, he's another one that's just got pushed a bit further to the fringes with, with the players that have come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder... I don't know about because he made he he made the bench and came on at the weekend. Um, I wonder. I think they might stockpile in the top the top end in those attacking areas because they've they've had they've had the experience this season of being thin of being thinned out by two injuries that all of a sudden thin you out. And I think if they can carry them within the the squad limit, which they should be able to, because Clark crucially doesn't affect that issue at all. Um, and doesn't that doesn't change what town can do there? Um, I I wonder whether they might stay. And um, I think you're probably right. Like, Experience has shown that it only takes three, four injuries to all happen at the same time, and and uh, the situation changes quite quickly. We might even see a bit of bench rotation going on just to try and keep people happy. Mm. Um, whether that's the right or the wrong thing to do, I don't know. But just to try and make everybody feel involved, and um, yeah, the bench might be completely different from Plymouth last weekend. We saw Edwards and Kane, Vincent Young come on. We might they might not even be on the bench this time around, and and then back on the bench for the next yeah. game. You know, but it might be like that. Yeah, I think I think that the, there's a different. We're talking about Ahabe there, and then talking about Edwards. I think there's a difference in their position on the pitch because it it's kind of. I'd say there's kind of three and a half players going into one central striking position in in Ladapo, Hurst, Caden Jackson would be the half because he's also used as out wide, and then Ahabme. There's there's th- there's three strikers ahead of Ahabme, I think, and and that that's not. And then you've also got people like Broadhead who can play up front as well. So mm. Ahabme, I think Ahabme has to go somewhere to play. Otherwise, he he might get the odd scrap here and there, but not enough to sustain a young player who who's trying to learn. Um, but that that three of attacking three position behind the one striker, that's where I think they'll they'll keep their options and um, and just see where it takes them. I know you said never say never, and you can't write off Ipswich making more signings in this game changer era. Um, where where could you make an argument for more? It a wide position at the top end of the pitch, somebody that they think is a better option than Kyle Edwards, and then Kyle Edwards would move on to on loan. That would be. If I had to make an argument of of where that might be, it might be, it might be that. But it's not. It's not an argument. I'm. I'm not. Bath- I, I don't think they need it. But no. I, I just wonder whether it might be a can. bit like Clark. That if the, yeah, if the if the right opportunity arises, did they need Clark right now? No, not necessarily. But he is as much a medium and long term investment as he is for this here and now of a promotion push and you're right maybe if somebody else of of that sort of age bracket and profile and ticks all the boxes and we can do this now because we've got the financial muscle to do so and it's we might be able to to beat others to this player by doing it in January rather than waiting for more of a bun fight in the summer then then that's the sort of scenario where they they might go for someone else um 
Where are we at with this squad limit? I should have checked before we came on. I remember it's a 22-man squad and they had two free spots going into January. And then we talked about obviously being able to deregister both Ball and Kamara. So there was, I'm, I'm talking out loud here, there was four spots essentially to play with and they've now filled Hurst, Broadhead, Luongo. So Clark doesn't count. So there is still one space to they work could with. Be. Yeah, yeah, they could be. There's still, yeah. So, there's still so room you're for saying maneuver. there's a chance. I, I'm saying there's a chance. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, they can all, all obviously they can also add another Clark aged player that doesn't factor into that whatsoever. So yeah, that, I mean we've we've, of... we've been waiting for the Man United loanee to rock up at some point, haven't we? We're um, ending, getting towards the end of transfer window number two for Kieran McKenna. That was the, uh, that was the obvious. The obvious play for the former Manchester United yeah. youth team, the team manager. I see Shola Shortai has gone to Bolton. Is that right in, yep. in League One? We talked about him being a sort of number ten option from United's under twenty threes. Um, Charlie McNeil's been kind of half mentioned on in, on the internet at various stages. His name's been chucked in with with dozens of clubs. Um, again, if if you did decide to let her had me go and you wanted to just then have a kind of a third choice backup striker to Hurst and Ladapo. You could go and get an 18, 19 year old from a Premier League club that doesn't doesn't affect the squad limit. Yeah. There's also John Jules to factor in. Yeah. Later. He's obviously a little way away, still several weeks, couple of months even away from playing again, but he's very much part of it, I think. Um not there's no need for them to to kind of terminate his loan. He's he's underage as well in terms of that squad that squad slot system. So it's a, it, he's not any kind of barrier to them doing anything else. But he's also someone to factor in in a few weeks, hopefully that would um, mm. make it even more difficult for for Hadley to to get a game. Crazy, really, isn't it? This I'm going to play a little game here. You're going to read out what you think when everyone's fit and firing the strongest 11 is. Do you want to give that a go? Yep. I'm going to read it out, am I? Yeah, go on, go. Okay. And I'll tick them off and then I'll I'll put together a second team with what's left. Okay. Walton, Clark, Wolfenden. I, oh, I, want, I want it to be Edmondson. Mm. I want it to be Edmondson. I, I'm going to say Edmondson. Um, that would need some work, but I want it to be Edmondson. Davis, obviously. Morsey, Evans, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, Hurst. Okay. It's pretty much what I'd got written down with the same question mark next to that left-sided centre-half. So that leaves... This is a second-string 11 now. Of Hlaki and goal, then you're going to have... You're going to have Danassian... Burgess and Keo is your back three. Are we go? Are we calling it a back three? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, put Lee. You're putting Lee at left back, aren't you? Put Lee. Go. Lee at left back. Danassian at right back. Keo and Burgess as centre halves. Luongo and Humphreys as your two central midfielders. You've probably got. You've got a choice between Caden Jackson or Kyle Edwards on the right. You've probably got Aluko as your number 10 and Harness as your inside left forward and then Ladapo up front. 
And even then, the three, so there's th three people that have missed that second 11 there, which is Kane, Vincent, Young. If we're going with Jackson on the right, Carl Edwards misses out. And uh, Ahadmi doesn't make the cut either. So we talked about three players in the danger zone. That's Vincent, Young, Edwards and Ahadmi not making the the second 11, as, as I've just read out. So that gives you an idea of strength and depth. And, we're, and that's not even taken into account Dominic Ball, Panucci, Kamara, Tyrese, John Jules, the various players that are coming back from loan. Matt Penny, who is back in the building now mm. and will be training with the Ipswich players. Piggott. Um, it's a big old squad. Mm. Well, there's still Rakeem Harper drifting around it. Idris El Mazzouni. Baggett and Darba. Um, wow. It's a big squad, isn't it? It is a big squad. So, pressure's on Andy now, isn't it? They've uh, they've left it all on the table. Um which brings us on to the actual football. We've had time to reflect on on the Plymouth result last weekend, the late disappointment. I'll be honest, when we did our podcast on Monday, reflecting on it, I'd watched back the first half and was maybe a little bit down on the performance. And then after we finished the podcast, I watched the second half and I felt a lot better about it, actually. Uh, I thought they got to grips that first half was really frenetic. I thought they got to grips with the game a little bit more. I thought Plymouth's high-intensity press just dropped off a little bit. I thought after they scored, they were on top. And, and a really big key moment, which I probably didn't recognise at the time, was that that injury, the head injury to Dan Scar, which sort of mm -hmm. took the wind out of Ipswich's sails. They were on top at that point and it started making a bit bitty and... Again, the Burns injury late on didn't help. They didn't do a huge amount wrong after going 1-0 up, I'll be honest. Um, so I kind of felt a little bit better about it, watching watching that back, um, that, that second half. Um, we can't keep talking about freak goals going in and, and moments happening um, because they have stacked up. But it's put a bit of pressure on these next two games, hasn't it? Oxford away and Morecambe at home. Three draws in a row. You can't afford to go too many more games without a win. No, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't feel like a game at Oxford is the ideal one either. I, I don't know what it is about that place, but it, it doesn't go particularly well for Ipswich at Oxford. Like last season, we thought, it, it, and you can't put it all on kind of omens. It's not. It's all. It's all irrelevant, really. But. It's just not not the kind of place that I feel good about going to now, um, and that's even coming less than a month after they beat Oxford three 0 at Portman Road. Um, it's a tough one. This this isn't this isn't an easy one in any by any stretch for Ipswich. I don't no. think. No, we, we had six six meetings between Ipswich and Oxford following relegation, and what three three goals in there um, until Boxing Day. Until yeah. Day, a bunch of nil-nil draws. There was a one-nil to Oxford, and and then obviously that that late heartbreak last season. Selena absolute scenes in the away end. McNally then goes and scores a header at a corner, and that really I think was the I think we knew that was the the death of the late charge into the playoff dream, wasn't it? That day, um, just took the wind out of it, which is sails. Um, I wasn't there on Boxing Day. It was a rare game missed for me, but. Even though they ended up cruising to a three 0 win, sounds like those first fifteen twenty minutes were a were a bit mm. of a challenge. Yeah, Oxford did present a really good good challenge. It, it, what Ipswich did a good job in this one is is after getting the first goal, they 
they stamped on Oxford after that and um and did a really good job of seeing it of seeing it through. So um in that sense they 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 did well. They managed the they managed the situation really well and came out of it with a really good win. But I think you're gonna have to reset all of that and it's gonna be the same challenge that those twenty those opening twenty minutes will be. They they're good at finding space, Oxford. They're good at moving the ball and they've got some thrust in midfield as well. So um it's gonna be it's gonna be an early an early challenge to kind of a to to kind of get on top of it, which which Ipswich want to do. We know that. We know they want to be on top of um of every of every game they're playing in. And they weren't able to do that in the Oxford game. Um thankfully they found a way. Um and it wasn't just the first it wasn't just a fact of getting that that first goal through Ladapo kind of out of nowhere. It was it, it was building to that. They'd managed to work their way into it um, and work their way on top of it, sorry, um, heading into that goal. So they're going to have to work similarly hard in this one, um, if not harder, given that, it, that it's on Oxford's own turf. I think Oxford were unbeaten in 10 going into that game, weren't they? They'd just got a draw against Sheffield Wednesday prior to coming to Portman Road. Um, you look through their squad, there's a lot of championship experience in there. Matty Taylor up front. Um, players that have been linked with big money moves higher up the chain, people like Cameron Brannigan. Um, their right back was playing for Lazio not that long ago. Um, it's a, it's a decent good. squad on paper. And, um, you know, they're, they're a team that have finished under Carl Robinson. They're all thereabouts, as they say, at the top end of this division for, what, three seasons in a row leading into yeah. this one? Yeah, they have they have got some good play. I, I I really like Brannigan. We talked about him a lot on this podcast over the years. I like him. I like Elliot Moore at the back. Yeah. Um Marcus McGuane, I've 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 liked as well. I think he came off injured at the weekend. There's a bit a bit, bit of a doubt for the weekend, but I, I like McGuane um as well. Um if he wasn't around, that would be good for Ipswich. But they're they're a good team and I like Carl Robinson as well. Um They've got some interesting experienced players in there, as well, like Yannick Wilshire in there mm. as well, who I was, and um, one it's of the Murphys. I'll be honest, I can't remember which one it is. It's one of the Murphys. Uh, and his name begins with J. Um, it's one of them. Um, probably the not the not so good one, but um, I, I like him as well. Um, so Billy Bowden, they've got some good players. They're a good team um, and they can pose questions. They, they like to pose questions, so town town aren't going to have this easy. No, uh, they've as I say they were ten unbeaten going into that Ipswich game. They've won a couple of games since beat Charlton. They they beat Fleetwood last weekend. Carl Robinson talked about them being um, the worst team, and maybe were a little fortunate to to get the win. But you know it was the the old cliche of still managed to find a way to win when we weren't at our best. So. I know he's sort of had some frustrations at his inability to add in the transfer market so far. They want he wants to strengthen at the top end of the pitch. Um, don't know if we can read too much into this, but talked about we've uh, there's, sometimes there's not a lot you can do. We've lost out to players that have either wanted to go to the Premier League, the Championship, or have even gone to teams in our own division for millions of pounds. So I would imagine there's only one club he might be referring to there. So whether whether they uh, were interested any of the players that have come Ipswich's way? I don't know, but um, yeah, it's uh, it, it feels like every game feels important now, doesn't it? Andy, we're into the last mm. twenty. 
Um, there's a seven-point gap to make up on Plymouth. You looked at it last weekend. Do you think it's the difference between it becoming a a four a four-point swing or a ten-point swing? It ended up staying at seven, but that's the kind of margins that can that can turn on any given weekend. And Sheffield Wednesday are at home to Cheltenham. I think I oh, know that's Plymouth. Plymouth are at home to Cheltenham, aren't they? And Sheffield Wednesday are at home as well. Um, so, yeah. I, Earlier in the season, you'd maybe go a point away at Oxford wouldn't be the end yeah. of the world, but it's starting to feel like points are not good yeah. enough at the moment. Draws are adding up. Mm. But Kieran McKenna, and Kieran's right. He said this a lot over the last year or so that draws ultimately at the end of the season don't get you very far. You can draw three games in a row, which Ipswich have done, or you can win one and lose two, and you've got the same. You got the same outlay there. Um, but you've remained unbeaten, which is almost irrelevant by by that point. So I think they really need to win this, don't they? Um, you, you, just to you would you would back Wednesday in Plymouth to win their home games this weekend, and Ipswich need to win to hold on to what to where they were. That's is 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 where it is. It, as usual, it doesn't doesn't end their season if they don't win this game. It doesn't define anything. But it no. But but it's starting to. I think people have maybe overplayed this feeling that Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday won't slip up and they're winning machines and we've got to to keep pace with them. They may well win again this weekend looking at their fixtures, but three wins in 10 is is what Ipswich have done in the league now, which which isn't good enough for an automatic promotion chasing team. It's not good form. But if you look back through Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth's fixtures, they've not quite hit, they've not quite had a 10 game run as bad as that in terms of points, but they've not been far off it. Plymouth have had some sticky patches. Sheffield Wednesday have had two. They drew three games in a row at one stage. Um, and I'm sure they will again at some stage, looking at the fixtures. Um, so hopefully, we keep saying it, Ipswich have had their kind of sticky patch. And it has coincided, let's not forget, with quite a lot of injuries around that November-December period. You hope now that these these new signings are going to make a difference, and the, the players that have come back from injuries are, are really getting back towards sort of a hundred percent, and uh, they can get that really powerful momentum, a uh, bit of bit of snowball momentum going. I think it's going to require a, a spell at some stage where they win three, four, five games in a row and, and build build something. Mm. Well, this would be quite a nice place to start, wouldn't it? Going into a home game with um, with Morecambe on on Tuesday night, and then. Sort of the free, the freeing of the shackles that comes with a a, a chance to play Premier League elect uh, Championship leaders Burnley. Um, that would be quite a nice way to start. Right, big question before we um before we wrap things up, Stu. Um, are they gonna Are they gonna do it? Do you Do you think they're gonna win this weekend? Because I yes. do. Yes, I do. Do you know what else I think? I think a new boy is gonna score a goal. Which one? Harry Clark. Do you? Well, no, but um, but yeah, yeah, he's 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 done it before. I think he scored on his he scored on his home. I want to say he scored on his home debut for Ross County. I think scored a couple for Stoke towards the start of this season, didn't he? Yep, scored on scored on his Hibs debut as well. He's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a history. Um, okay. Ipswich switch of getting a few goals from set pieces as well. Is that where it comes from? No, no, no. It's um, he's going to get a whiff. 
I feel a bit sad for for Genoi. Do you know what also made me feel sad is when I saw Harry Clark post yeah. a load of pictures saying goodbye to Arsenal when he he does the Genoi Wes Burns handshake with somebody, and if he goes and gets a whiff, that would really rub oh, salt yeah. in the wounds of of Genoi. If he did an actual goal, mm. I'll always have Genoi's back. Um, if he starts doing that handshake with Wes Burns, though, that's that's a bad sign. I don't um, think Wes would he do can, it. He can do it with his Arsenal mates. It's fine, um, but not with Wes. And Wes, you're right, Wes wouldn't do it either. It just means that there's time for another Renaissance. You have different Renaissance eras, don't you? And he's like had you about say, four. He's had about four, yeah. so maybe maybe there'll be another one further down the track. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to say two one Ipswich with Harry Clark scoring okay. a goal. Um, we haven't done the we haven't done the team. Um, do you think Hurst and or Broadhead will start this match? I think Hurst will start. I think Broadhead will come off the bench. Okay, that's what that's what I think. With with the structure of everything else we've just said, I I, I think I think Danassian might. I think Danassian will start this game. I think I think Clark will come on. I think Hurst will start this game and I think Broadhead will come on as well um, in the second half. Yeah, I think you're right about Hurst as well. I think they'll just throw caution to the wind and just get, get, he's got, the only way he's going to get his match sharpness is is by playing. Um, Fair enough. Don't chuck him straight into the Plymouth game last weekend, but I think they'll, um, they'll take a calculated risk and uh, see him as a bit of a wild card in, in a game that really they need to go and win. So yeah, Looking forward to seeing some more of him. Looking forward to seeing the first glimpses of, of Broadhead and Clark. And um, hopefully this can be the spark that, that gets gets Ipswich going. And we want them really motoring going into that Sheffield Wednesday game at Portman Road in February, don't we? We sure do. We sure do. That sounds like a good place to leave things, Stu. Um, before we go, big shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, and in particular to Ginger Pickle. Um, very big on Google. Google ads ginger pickle at the moment. Um, I'm led to believe a little birdie tells me that some podcast listeners have begun to reach out to ginger pickle for some help. And that is exactly the name of the game. He's the man to help Tony Southgate, ginger pickle, Google stuff. And um, if you want your pickle, what's, what does Mike say? If you want your pickle, ginger, ginger, ginger ginger pickle, Google ginger pickle. Easy. Makes sense. Um, is the three points of the weekend and hopefully we can talk about that on Monday. <laughs>